I was thinking, what do we, what do we preach about this week? Two weeks ago, preached about the love of God. And what does the love of God do? It leads us into loving the world. Loving the world and bringing his gospel, uh, recognizing the cost of what Jesus did to bring the love, his love to the world. So that was a couple weeks ago. And then last week we talked about joy. Joy is the power of your witness. People come to Christ when they see your joy. And nobody wants to be part of an organization when they look at you and you're just all frowny. And, uh, you know, all like, this world is full of sin. And, you know, everybody knows that. Even the sinners know that. Um, They know it's full of sin. (laughs) And what they're looking for is a way. And uh, the joy on your face can show them the way. So we got to have the joy. That was last week. Now, so this week, well, we did love, we did joy. I thought, let's do peace. Love, joy, and peace. Uh, In the 1960s, there was this uh, move for peace, the peace sign. You know, and that was mostly a political statement, an anti-war statement. And I'm all for peace. Give peace a chance, John Lennon. (laughs) All that stuff. You know, that's good. But there's another message of peace we really need to get a hold of. And that's what I'm putting up here today. Peace is a person, not an idea. (laughs) Peace is a person. In order to know the peace of God, you have to know the God of peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Father, I ask you for this message. Would you dispense your peace into our hearts as we listen to this message? Let it be something life-giving to this church, to the individuals who are gathered here, for those who get to hear it over the podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first point is seeking peace. you got to look for peace. But when you look for peace, you got to look where you can find it. You can't, you can't look in the wrong place. You have to look, you have to look in such a way that your thoughts and your behavior and your focus find peace where it can be found. So there's a man who's searching on all fours for something in, in the night under a street lamp. And the policeman walks up to him and, and the guy's a little bit drunk. And the policeman comes and says, so what are you doing? And the, and the guy says, I'm looking for my car keys. And so the policeman, he starts looking around. He says, uh, just where do you think you dropped them? He, Did you drop them here? And the guy says, no, I dropped them in the alley over there, but the light here is so much better. <laughs> That's kind of how we are sometimes. We look for stuff where we want to look for it rather than where it can be found. People look for peace and think they can find it through drugs. It's a good feeling when I hear about that. I don't really know personally, except for when I've had some surgeries. I, I had some surgery, medical procedure one time. Whew, it was the sweetest thing ever. Uh, whatever that was, I loved it. Uh, so, you know, you, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta look for peace where it can be found. And I'm here today to tell you. I'm here today to tell you where you can find peace. And it's not in drugs. It's not in alcohol. It's not in a better relationship, a better husband or a better wife. It's not going to be found there. You know, we all really want peace. We really need peace. I remember Bill Cosby uh, doing a comedy routine one time and he says, you know, parents are really not interested in justice. They just want peace. Kids are fighting, arguing together and he did this and he did that and, and parents don't really care. They just want it to be quiet. So just stop it, right? That's kind of how I am anyway. And this guy's looking for his keys in the wrong place. He's never going to find them over there. We try to find peace 
by force. You be quiet or I'll strangle you. You be quiet or I'll take away your iPhone by force, by manipulation, by bribing. Be quiet and I'll give you an iPhone. But instead, we need to go to the place where the peace can be found, regardless of how the light appears or what the world or our cultural conditioning says it's supposed to happen a certain way. We have to go to where it really can be found. So Gideon, he built an altar to the Lord when he was all the enemies had come in. They were stealing their food. They were taking over their land. There was no rest. There was no peace. He was hiding to try to harvest his food. And he, the Lord showed up. He built an altar and he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. It's really quite a statement. The Lord is my peace in the midst of the storm. The Lord is my peace in the mid, midst of the chaos. I love the story in the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's, it's recorded in all the Gospels except John, where there came a storm at sea, and Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the Gospel of Mark adds a little something that none of the other Gospels say. He was asleep on a pillow. I, I think that's kind of important to me. I like my pillow. And uh, Jesus had a pillow in the boat, sleeping. And, and you know, um, <laughs> in... Uh, in the storm, the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus was asleep. And they finally called him, don't you care that we're perishing? And of course he does. But Jesus is asleep because he's not concerned. He cares, but he's not freaking out like everybody else is. We need to get with Jesus and curl up on the pillow and relax. We need to get some rest. We need to have peace because he is our peace, as Gideon said. So, where is the starting point for peace? It's right here in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this is the beginning point of peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about peace, we just think, stop the noise. I wish the guys outside would stop mowing their lawn so early in the morning. You know, that's our, our thing. I wish the kids would stop making noise. I wish they would get along. I wish everybody would get along. You know, that's our thing of peace. That's what we think. But really, our peace comes from the relationship we have with God. And if we're separated from God, we can't rest in the boat on the pillow. <laughs> if we're separated, we don't have any peace with Him. That's the first point. That's the first place, is having peace with God. And so that's, that's our, that's our uh, Romans. Now, I'm going to need a little help for the next thing I want to do. And I'm going to ask Zim and Donald if you guys would come with me to this next room and get something that we're going to use to illustrate this point. If you guys could grab this together. And this is, uh, this is how we have peace. You get a big door. You get a big door and you paint peace on it. That's how you get peace. So if you could stand right over here. And then what I want you to do is hold it up high. Yeah, up, there you go. Yes, yes, yes. So I want you to look at this, and it says, Sar Shalom. Now, you guys know what Shalom means? It means peace. And whenever you see the word Shalom, it's a Jewish word. It's a Hebrew word. It means more than just peace. It means more than just no fighting. It has to do with the favor and the blessing of God in the midst of whatever situation you're in. 
and it's a big deal. It's far more than peace. It's what they say when they greet people, you know, Shalom Alechem, peace to you. And uh, they say Shalom when they say goodbye. They say Shalom when they say hi. But it's, it's a blessing of peace. And this is really what we're talking about today. This is really what we need. And so this word Sar is actually the word where we get our word, the Russian word, Tsar. Tsar. And you know what a Tsar is? It's a prince or ruler. It's a lord. Okay, so Tsar Shalom means Lord of Peace. So I also put it in case you wanted to read it in Kenya Rwandan, and we also have it in Swahili. So you guys can memorize those. That'll be fun for you. The czar of peace, the ruler of peace. He's the one who dispenses peace. He's the one who organizes peace. He's the one who inserts it into your heart when everything is chaotic. He's the one who brings it. Now, this door is a door that used to be on our bedroom and it's now gone from there, and it's here right now, um, and it's going to go in the trash eventually, because uh, we got another door. Now, I want you guys to just, if you would, please, how you doing back there, Donald? You doing good? Okay, can you raise it up higher? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so if I want to have peace, what I need to do is go to the Sar Shalom and just stand there. I need to be where he is. I need to go under him. As long as I'm here with him in the boat on the pillow, I'm going to have peace. But as soon as I get distracted, as soon as I get uncomfortable in some way and I start to try to go, oh, let me check my email. Let me check the text. Let me go do this. Let me go do that. Now I'm losing my peace because I got away from the Sar Shalom. I get away from the Prince of Peace. Now, sometimes, and guys, I want you to do this carefully. Okay, so I decided I'm here. I'm going to just stay here. Now, I want you guys to just move that way. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm here. I'm with the Prince of Peace. But you know, sometimes God moves. The peace moves to another place, like the cloud of glory. And it goes from one place to another place. What does that mean when that happens? Time to move. Whoa, there goes the peace. I better go with it. And I get back under the peace. God moves sometimes, and He wants you to move with Him. He's not going to get so far away that you can't find it. He's just, he'll just move until you can see, oh, we're moving now. And you just go and find his peace and get back under the Sar Shalom. Okay, I want you to remember this. And I want you to look at this silly image of me under <laughs> the Prince of Peace. How's it going there? You guys doing okay? You're pretty tough. Yeah, I was kind of hoping, you know, we could go way higher, but I, I don't think we'll worry about that. Okay, so now here we go, yeah. But just just envision this, okay? And kind of say to your heart, to your soul, am I there? Where am I right now? I'm all tense. I'm all anxious. Have I lost the location of the Lord of Peace? <laughs> have I have I lost the have I lost the location or has he moved? Do I need to get under him again? It's a good question to ask. Thank you guys. You can just set that down there. So basically, that's the whole sermon right there. But I'm going to keep talking so you get your money's worth. All right? Get under the, get under the czar of peace. Get under the Lord, the Prince of Peace. So what's the pathway to peace? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. Who lays it? God does. I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, something that's been tested and tried, 
a precious, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. We can count on this stone, and that stone, by the way, is Jesus. You learn that from the context of First uh, Peter. But here's what Isaiah says: the one who relies on it. Can you say that? Who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. You ever get panic? Yeah. Boy, it's it's like. Is it a weekly occurrence for you? Yeah. Daily? Daily occurrence? Hourly? Okay, so if that is the case of your life, then what does that say about you and me? <laughs> it says we're not relying on it. Because if this is true, this is the Word of God. So this needs to be true. This is true. We accept that in our head. Now we need to get it down to our heart and Deal with what's not happening in our life. We're not relying on that cornerstone. It's just, a, it's just a fact. It's just the truth that if we're not relying on Him, that's where our, that's where our panic comes, comes from. Uh, Philippians says, be anxious for the really bad things. Be anxious for traffic situations. Have you ever been in traffic with somebody who just curses at the other cars? Are you one of those people? Um, you know, that just doesn't help your peace. It doesn't help your peace at all. Um, it, it's like you're fighting with the panic all the time. And it's because <laughs> the one who relies on the cornerstone will never be stricken with panic. So just let this litmus test, the reality of life, come true to you. When you feel the panic, just say to yourself, okay, I'm not relying on my cornerstone right now. I'm going to get back in that boat and curl up on the pillow with Jesus who's asleep right there. I'm going to rest with Him now and I'm going to let go of my panic. Repeat after me. I'm going to let go of my panic. Okay, I hope you said that with conviction. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord Himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. All right. Do you see the key? Is that it's the Lord Himself. It's not, okay, I just need to breathe 10 breaths deeply. Slowly inhale. Slowly exhale. Now that does help. I'm really not mocking those things because actually it helps you calm down enough to start getting the important things lined up in your brain. You, you, you realize that? I'm not mocking the relaxation techniques because sometimes you really need those things. You need to just say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax. But then, <laughs> we have to come back under that banner of peace again, under the Sar Shalom. Jesus reported what the future was going to be like. He was reporting the end of the world. He was reporting the judgment of God. And He says, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. Say, in Me you may have peace. Okay, where does the peace come from? In Jesus. Okay, uh, I'm saying this over and over again because the truth is we don't really believe it. <laughs> we don't really. We believe it comes from just, I got to just calm down. I got to get my wife to just calm down. You know, that's kind of the way we think. That's the way I think. And uh, yes. Okay, so <laughs> thank you, Zim. I really appreciate that. So Jesus said, In me you may have peace. In this world you will have peace. Trouble. The Bible promises trouble. Okay, so one of the things we can do is get ready 
When we wake up and we're feeling, oh, bad, like Christy was talking about, and all the things that are going to happen, just say to yourself, okay, we're going to have trouble. There's an old Bob Dylan song about trouble, trouble, everywhere there's trouble. I forget exactly how it went, but it's a good song. You're going to have trouble. But then Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. So how do we address what Zim just said? Okay, we accept this intellectually. We accept this intellectually. Okay, Jesus has overcome the world, but man, I'm feeling really anxious right now. And there's trouble everywhere. There's trouble in the east. There's trouble in the west. There's trouble in my home. There's trouble in my breast. I'm having trouble everywhere. I just made up that rhyme. How about that? Um, and so the, the thing to do is, actually Christy called it earlier, when she said, just put the words out there. God is my salvation. Just say those words. You need to say them so your ears can hear them and then it makes its way down into your heart. God is my salvation. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm trusting and relying on my cornerstone, even if you're not. How much faith does it take to move a mountain? Tiny little bit of faith. Mustard seed side. So you got to start saying it. You hear it. And then it lifts you up. It starts to build up your faith. But if you're just quiet and just sitting there, stewing in your anxiety all that's happening is you're cooking your soul and it's it's getting overdone (laughs) and you're not and you're not settling into what's true and what's right about the way god has organized this world and this life so you have to speak it out you have to hear it and maybe it would be helpful sometimes to call a friend and say i'm really anxious today can we just have a little prayer and and have that prayer and go for a walk around the lake and just see how beautiful this world is and how God has given everything uh, to you. You see, peace is not cheap. There's a price for peace. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. Think about that. Yeah, think about that. I mean, that there's a cost for your peace. Jesus paid it. You don't pay it. He did. So you just say, okay, Jesus, thank you for the peace you paid. I'm here to, to draw on that account a little bit because I'm feeling pretty tense right now. There, aren't, there isn't enough money to pay the bills. I just need to come in and get some peace from you because I know you're going to take care of me. Losing peace is easy. You see, the source of peace is Jesus. The source of peace is God. So losing peace... It's when you stop listening. If you stop listening to God, we read uh, these verses in Deuteronomy 28 that are really, they really say it. If you stop listening to God, you're going to be sent off to these other nations. You will find no ease. And there will be no rest for the sole of your foot. Man, my feet have started to bother me a lot. I get this neuropathy. And uh, man, when when your feet aren't comfortable... It kind of messes with everything else. When one part of the body hurts, the rest hurt. But Yahweh will give you there a trembling heart. Isn't that really scary? God is the one who gives you a trembling heart, the failing of eyes, and the pining of soul. Man, I'm not liking this. Your life will hang in doubt before you. You will be afraid night and day. Is this talking to anybody? And will have no assurance of your life. In the morning you will say, I wish it were evening. And at evening you will say, I wish it were morning. For the fear of your heart 
which you will fear, and for the sights which your eyes will see. Now, what brought about all that? Not listening to God. <laughs> okay, so there's an easy solution to not face all this stuff, and it's to listen to Him. When we stop listening to God, what we start listening to is our own ego, our own wants and desire. The thing that takes our peace away, it's our centered self, which is always striving to do more with money, with possessions, and with power. That's what we try to work with, money, possessions, and power, to make our ego, our self, feel better. And that <laughs> eliminates our peace. So instead, God gives us this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust Him, as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, 13. I don't think I made a slide for that. So we've talked about the starting place for peace. We've talked about losing peace and what causes us to lose peace. What causes us to lose peace, by the way? Stop listening to God. Okay, I'm doing a little review so that this sticks with you. Because uh, tomorrow it's going to happen. You know, something's going to come and you're going you're gonna to be all freaked out and, and you're going to say, well, something, you heard something about peace yesterday. What was that? And so this is it. I'm just doing some review. So the peace is going to escape. So you go back to where the starting point was. Okay, start listening to God again. Start aligning yourself with the cornerstone. Picture this door on top of me and how... <laughs> you're going to come back to that place. <laughs> the real horse. He got, he got your point? That's good. Well, actually, what Zim said is, is something that I want to uh, segue to, is we have to become peacemakers okay so you have you and I have to figure out how to how to come to a place of peace in our own spirit and heart you know the reality is we got all these problems the reality is there's trouble everywhere but in the midst of that I've got the cornerstone and I'm going to speak it I'm going to hear it and I'm going to settle myself down and I'm going to attach to him and he's going to impart his peace to me but then it says, next slide, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. So you and I have to become peacemakers. Now when we put all these sermons together that I've been sharing about love, about joy, and hear about peace, we put all this together, and we become a powerful force in our world. We become a powerful force to our families and friends and neighbors. And, and you need not fear, because... God is with you, and he's going to help you as you talk to people, as you share uh, ways to get to peace. And the first thing that you need to tell your anxious neighbors is, let me introduce you to the Lord of peace, the czar, who owns that thing. He owns the whole market on peace, and he'll bring it to you. So one of the things we need to do, I ran across this poem this week that's really quite lovely. Um, it's a way to dispense peace is the way we talk to one another. The way to give peace, become a peacemaker. And it's through our words. Words are windows or their walls. Really cool idea. Listen to this. I feel so sentenced by your words. I feel so judged and sent away. Before I go, I got to know, is that what you mean to say? 
Before I rise to my defense, before I speak in hurt or fear, before I build that wall of words, tell me, did I really hear? Words are windows or they're walls. They sentence us or set us free. When I speak and when I hear, let the love light shine through me. When I speak and when I hear, let the love light shine through me. I'm going to read you the rest of the poem. I don't have it up here. There are things I need to say, things that mean so much to me. If my words don't make me clear, will you help me to be free? If I seem to put you down, if you felt I didn't care, try to listen through my words to the feelings that we share. Our words are how we convey thoughts and communications to each other. But so often our words are judgmental. They're critical. And they build a wall between us and the people around us. And so the place to start in becoming a peacemaker is to start using our words rightly, without judgment, and just to try to get to the heart of the person we're talking with. The, the poet who wrote this is Ruth Berbermeyer. I think she's Jewish. So, yay. <laughs> so, keeping peace is the next. So, making peace and now... Keeping peace. We've talked about, let me just review what we've been doing here. We've talked about the peace of God. The only way to get the peace of God is to know the God of peace. To seek peace and find it in the right place. Got to look for it in that starting place of peace with God, being justified through faith. Getting ourselves under the banner of peace and following the pathway of peace, that cornerstone in Zion. Recognizing that there was a price for peace. Jesus paid the price. It was very expensive. So let's get some of it. And the way we lose peace is when we stop listening and we start working our own ego into the midst of the situation. And then as we are encountering God's peace, we become peacemakers to the world around. We're just reviewing right now. And now we're going to talk about keeping the peace, being peacekeepers. The way we keep the peace is by obeying God doing what he said. If you follow my decrees, this is Leviticus 26, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land just by obeying God. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will, I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. Now this is an example in an agricultural community where the whole livelihood depends on the rain and it depends on the crops and everything. But we can translate that into our, into our modern day. If we follow God's decrees and are careful to obey his commands, then he produces what, he need, what we need for us. You know, Don Douglas uh, has one of the best gardens I know around town. He loves to garden. He loves it. And he and Peggy make a big deal. They, they, make so, they grow so much more food, they can't handle it, and they just give it away. And you should see the people of the church just swarm around the table where all the food is when he, when he brings it there that day. Uh, but he, what he does when he plants his seeds and plants his plants, he just prays over every plant. He just prays over it, and he asks God's blessing. And <coughs> he has a, 
I think it's a daughter or daughter-in-law that doesn't believe in God. And she says, what is your trick for making such a good garden? I work really hard on my garden. It's nowhere near as good as yours. And he says, well, I'll tell you the truth. I just pray over each plant as I put it in the ground. And, you know, I think she rolled her eyes. I don't know. But uh, that's, that's the key. So we should apply that to everything in our life. Everything we do, let's apply God's truth to it. Let's invite him into it. Obey his command. In all our ways, let's acknowledge him and let him direct our path. Now here's, in the next couple slides here, I want to go through some practical things of how to keep peace. Go to the next one. Practical steps. Okay. This is from a Duke University study on peace of mind. I think you're going to like this. Duke University found factors that contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability. Anybody want some emotional stability in here? I sure do. And mental stability. Number one, the absence of suspicion and resentment. Okay, so if you've got suspicion and resentment, you just need to get rid of it. Because nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. (laughs) Somebody injured you sometime. Well, you know what? I'm sorry it happened, but it does happen. You got hurt. Every single one of us gets hurt. But if you hold on to that hurt, you're just not going to be happy. You're going to have to let it go. If you can't change the situation, just let it go. Number two, not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures leads to depression. It's common sense, really, right? You keep thinking about the bad things and the failures of your past, it's going to hurt. Number three, not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. (laughs) Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. Okay, Your life and my life, it's going to have hurdles and conditions that are just too hard. So when we use our energy just fighting those things that we cannot change, we're going to lose our joy. We're going to lose our peace. Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. Number four, force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, I just want to go and read a book and close my house up and not see anybody ever again. And you ever feel that way? I sure do, too. I think we all feel that way. And there's nothing wrong with periods of time of isolation in order to restore and refresh your soul. I would suggest be isolated but with God and spend time with Him. But you can get into a habit where that's all you do and that's very dangerous. And that's actually a pathway to depression and it's not going to bring you peace. That's number four. Number five, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. This is similar to a previous one we've had, but just say, I'm not going to pity myself. Because, you know, it kind of feels good to pity, pity yourself. Oh, my life stinks. Really is bad. I've <clears throat> got all these bad things happening. I'm going to go over to Christy and tell her about how bad my life is. Then I'm going to go tell, tell Musty about how bad my life is. You know, you can just keep going and rehearsing that over and over again, and you just lose all your peace. And it just opens a door for anxiety. Refuse to let it happen. Number six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues of love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. This comes from Duke University. These folks aren't Christians. 
They're just doing a study on what causes happiness and what causes unhappiness. And this is what they come, came up with. Cultivate these virtues of love, humor. You know, <laughs> it's good to laugh sometimes. And if you've got some bad things going on, why don't you just stop and laugh at them a little bit? There is this couple who came over to Bridgeway several months ago, and they are uh, experienced in laughter. <laughs> they just teach you to laugh. So they do this really strange exercise where you say, hey, let's just laugh for a minute. Let's laugh at that statement that says, I'm not good enough, I can't handle that. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> and so they go and laugh. And after a while, you know, you think, these people are cuckoo. But you know, it's funny. You start laughing at those things and it just lightens the burden. It just lifts it off. And so I've been like, you know, I'll get a phone call, something really critical and it hurts my feelings. And I'll remember that guy saying, hey, when someone's critical at you, you just laugh. And so I'll just say, okay. And I just start laughing at it. And it's forced laughter a little bit. And it feels a little false. But you know, I actually feel better afterwards. And then I start to really <laughs> kind of have fun. <laughs> and I just laugh at that. Yeah, that was a silly thing they said. You know, I had my, uh, my grandkids were here in town for a month. And I would do this thing with my grandson, AJ. He would say, hey, you want to hear a silly song? And I'd say, sure. And he would sing something that's just stupid. Like, the trees are green and the sky is blue forever and ever. Everything had forever in it. And so that would be the song. And then we would just laugh. Ha, 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 that's funny. And he would laugh and I would laugh. And then we'd go on to the next silly song. And it got really old really fast. But the fun part was just laughing with my grandson. And it actually created a little bond. The point wasn't the silly song. The point was he and me, and he just wanted to come to me and sing a silly song. And that was fun. Yeah, it was actually not quite as intelligent as Veggie Tales. But. So number seven, do not expect too much of yourself when there is too wide a gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals you've set. Feelings of inadequacy are inevitable. Okay, that's no big deal. But number eight is the best one right here. <laughs> number eight, Find something bigger than yourself to believe in. This is University of Duke sociological study. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. Isn't that the truth? Wow, this is really important. You think about yourself all the time and you're just thinking, how can I manipulate my money, my power, my position in order to get what I want? You're destined for unhappiness. But if you start believing in something bigger than yourself, I suggest the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, Sar Shalom, then that's where you're going to find your peace. So here's the last thing I want to say. Um, learn to interrupt yourself. Learn to interrupt yourself in your cycle of anxiety. This is what I'm committing to do after this sermon. When I start to get anxious, I'm going to stop myself. And I'm going to say, okay, I trust the cornerstone. I say it out loud. I trust Jesus Christ. I'm coming under the banner of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Shalom. I'm coming under the banner. I'm going to look at Him who is my peace. And I'm going to stop this worrying in Jesus' name. And I'm going to say all these things out loud. Okay? So, Marie, I want you to say those things out loud. When you run into the 
terrible frustration of your life. And I'm talking to Marie, but I'm also talking to Donald. I'm also talking to Zim. I'm talking to Bill. I'm talking to everybody in here. (laughs) You're going to stop yourself. You just stop yourself. You interrupt the cycle of fear and anxiety, and you start speaking to the Prince of Peace. Asleep on a pillow in your boat while the waves are crashing, and he's just mm, comfortable. Because he's not worried about it. He made those waves. He made the wind. He'll get up in a second and say, stop, wind and waves, stop. All right, peace, be still. Hallelujah. So, Christy, come up and finish us up with a song. And I want to leave you with this blessing. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Beth, you have something? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We were both starving to death. So we went to McDonald's, and when I got to McDonald's, the lady says, Can I take your order? And I said, Sure. And I started to give her my order, and she got interrupted with somebody in McDonald's, and she says, Hold on one second, just a second. And um, she went back, and then she came back, and she says, Um,. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'll take your order now. And I could tell she was like flustered and frustrated and she's just, you know, too busy with things happening. So I gave her my order and I went into the first window where you pay and McDonald has like two windows and there was nobody in the first window. And I thought, well, sometimes they close that and you have to pay. So I left to the second window. And when I got to the second window, I could hear, ma'am, come back. Well, and so um, this, it was this African-American woman. So I had to back up and went, you know, and said, she says to me, blankety blank, she used a swear word, not in a bad way. She says, you were fast. You just drove by so fast. I just dunked for a little bit and missed you. And I don't know what came over me, but I just looked at her and I said, Ma'am, just as fast as I drove by here, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come down on you fast and give you peace right now. And may there be calmness in in you because I just felt like she was so frustrated. And so when I said that to her, she jumped and she goes, I just got shivers all over me. I said, that is the kingdom of God coming down to touch you. And then I said to her, I just want you to know that your father in heaven is passionately in love with you. And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, we have the ability. We've been given peace. And then we can give the world peace. And your words have power in them. And, And it was evident because you don't get a physical reaction unless it's the Holy Spirit that comes on you. Yeah. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth. That's a good word. That's a good word. 